Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast in Ringer FC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Confused, Musa. Confused? That's, that, that is cryptic. Confused how? I, I swear the Champions League final just happened. But uh, the Community Shield is this week. <laughs> yeah, there's no end to it. <laughs> there's no end to it. There's no gap. There's no moment to absorb. The, the Champions League is meant to be the end of the season. But the final happened the weekend that Liga returned. It's all very confusing. Also, I got stung by a wasp on Saturday for the first time in my life. Do you know what? This is weird. They're really aggressive in Berlin. Dude, wasps are out here like reply guys on Twitter. <laughs> my God. But the, <laughs> wasps but this, in Berlin. Wasps in, but this is Good the thing. Grief. But they've, you know, we've been here for, I've been here for six years and they are more aggressive than before. Like I've noticed it like this summer in particular, the way they, when you're like eating, you know, having dinner in town and they'll come and they'll like sit on your plate and start going at your food. And I thought, are they, are they hungrier than usual? Are they more aggressive than usual? Because like yesterday I was having dinner on a balcony with a friend and I spent like five minutes just dispatching one. And I was just like, yeah, you have to like do away with these things because they're just going at people and they're, they're stinging people without provocation. So it's, it's wild. Wow. But they are more yeah, aggressive I mean, they, than usual for sure. They, they, are more they really are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how are you anyway? Well, thankfully, um, wasn't, wasn't attacked. What, what did it feel? Actually, can I just say, what did it feel like? It was really confusing at first. It was like, ultimately it was minor. Obviously some people have really, really major issues with wasp stings, but then it, it went really big on my arm really quick. Mm. Like raised right up. And then for about three hours, I felt super nauseous. The power. That's, that's what fascinates yeah. me. The power in these, these tiny. These tiny little bastards. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Like the power in them. Like that, that's a. Uh... Yeah. And then, and then I was fine ultimately. So, you know, I'm, I'm being a typical dude here. You know? That's on a full size, but yeah, that's, that's on a full size human. They're going at, they're going at oh, yeah. things that are smaller than us. With a quarantine bod as well. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. I got a bit packing some bod. extra defense. That's true. Insulation. Uh, that's true. All right. I see. Well, another week. Is what it is. Another right. Disc. Look, I, hey, I've, look, you haven't commented on uh, the Tash. Well, it suits you. And you're going yeah, through stuff. You're going through stuff. You, just, you got stung by Wasp. I can't remember who it was, but someone replied to, I posted a picture of Gnabry getting interviewed last night with his Champions League winning moustache. And someone responded saying, he's clearly going through some stuff. And I, was, I just responded saying, ah. going through some winning. <laughs> <laughs> I love how that's now a thing. Like if you have a mustache, it's because you're going through stuff. Right. Roll necks and cardigans. For those who are new to us since we joined the ringer, the sartorial stuff goes back to like September, October. And there was a whole thing about roll necks and cardigans because Musa is, has a penchant for a, for a roll neck. I'm a devotee, an extremist. And, and I'm, I'm more of a cardigan vibe, you know, Saturday job in a library. Yeah, Energy. true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it became a whole thing. And, you know, people, it got very... It was a cultural. You, you thought Brexit was divisive, man. Yeah, My God. Was. Anyway, so maybe goatees and, and mustaches is the new Rolex and, and cardigan. I'm comfortable with that. Before we get into stuff, some admin. We had a new piece go up on the Stadio website this yep, morning yep. from Ahmed Shubal. It's an amazing piece that he wrote about the double standards and how specifically UK media report on black players compared to white players. And it basically framed around what if Paul Pogba had been arrested instead of Harry Maguire. It's a really good piece. Shouts to Ahmed for that. Yes, excellent. I had two pieces go up on the ringer last week. One about manager sartorial choices and a second one that went up on Saturday, which was supposed to be a kind of Champions League final preview and ended up being more of a 1100 words about uh, Holland's goal, second goal against PSG at the, West, at the Westfalen in February. 
I'm obsessed with this nine to 10 second clip. Well, it's basically my favorite nine seconds of football this season. They're both up on the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Um, and then today we're going to talk about Champions League. We're going to talk about the Women's Champions League. And we're going to talk about the Europa League final. Any other admin before we get into it? No, no, that's really it. That's all good. All right, cool. Um, all right, we'll get into it on the other side of this. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, then, Musok Wonga. Champions League final. Champions League final. Bayern Munich against PSG. Both teams were in pursuit of a treble, I think. Quadruple for PSG, I think. Might get quadruple. Yeah, they won the League Cup as well. Mm -hmm. And what a game. Final score was 1-0 to Bayern Munich. But that didn't reveal how compelling the match was, I thought. I thought that first half was a really engrossing half of football. To be Two honest, teams have just obscene yeah. quality. To be honest, I loved the whole thing. I know the second was slightly less structured, but I loved the entire No, no, the, the thing as a whole, like the yeah. first, I thought the first half really reminded me of, it reminded me a little bit of Dortmund Bayern. Actually. Yes, yes. But also, do you remember when Liverpool went to the Etihad the season before last and lost? The 2-1. Basically the game, yeah. The 2-1, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it was Quality. just super absorbing. Yeah. That's what I felt this this half felt like just two supremely talented football teams. I thought the rhythm of the game was super interesting in that first half, how both teams created, but it never really felt like a slugfest. No. And then in the second half, it kind of disintegrated a little bit in terms of structure. And I actually tweeted it just turned into a FIFA game at one point. It did. And we know it's funny though. Um, this game, I think, showed people just how good PSG are and just how well... Tuchel has been coaching them tactically you know he was surprising innovative there were some things he did that you know you'd expect from him others that like, like the use I mean the use of Ander Herrera as one of the most attacking players in the midfield was really interesting obviously as mm. a United fan it was interesting to see him in, in that game and that guys but what was also interesting and I think an interesting sign of the intensity of a game like that I don't think I've ever seen a major game of football where so many major, so many protagonists leave the field with like 20 minutes to go. At one point, I think about 50 minutes in the end, Gnabry, Di Maria, already on the bench. 
Well, Coleman came off as well. Yeah, Coleman too. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this game has been so intense. Like Tuchel and Flick will take you off if either if you're out, if, if, they, if they need new ideas. Mm. And the fact that they needed new ideas by replacing people who were crucial to the outcome of the game says everything about the quality of this encounter. It's really interesting. Completely, yeah, completely agree. What do you think about the, the changes? Because I think Flick got them spot on. They were strange, but I understood them. I understood them because this is the first huge game in which Di Maria has not fully, like hasn't delivered to his level. Like it's the first major game I've seen Di Maria be in where he's been fit, where he has not been an eight out of 10. Mm. You know, and these are small margins. Um, I'm not sure how conscious it was to exploit his lack of a right foot, but you saw it. You saw him being forced onto his right and you saw him very uncomfortable in that context. And it was small margins. Yeah, I mean, I thought... Flick on them right, right, I think. I thought Bayern defended supremely well in terms of how they managed, well, just both both sides of the pitch, I think. And the departure of Boateng. That was Mm. huge. Yeah, that was was huge, actually. And I thought Zula did well coming on, actually, because he isn't the quickest. No. But I thought he handled what came at him really, really well. There was a lot of talk about Thiago being man of the match. Did he actually get man of the match, officially? I don't know. I mean, I, I thought Alaba was extraordinary. I thought Alaba was good, but I actually thought my man in the match was Joshua Kimmich. Because I thought he was so integral to limiting, limiting what PSG created and the fact that he had to deal with sometimes Neymar and sometimes Mbappe out on that right-hand side. And I thought that he dealt with both of them really well because there was a lot of talk about the, after the game, as there always, always is with games like this, where you have superstars on two teams, only one side can win the game. Mm. And no matter how fine those margins are, the side who doesn't, you will always get the, oh, they didn't show up. Yeah. They didn't do this. They didn't do this. I thought everyone did show up, actually. However, I just think that Kimmich nullified such a key part of Neymar's game, which has been a little bit overlooked and we've touched on it, I think, in the knockout stages because is it Mbappe and Neymar haven't scored in the knockout right. from the quarterfinals onwards, right. I think. But we said that Neymar's link-up play has been brilliant. Yep. You know, when Mbappe came on against Atalanta, returning from injury, and changed the game, what I think Kimmich did really well with the help of Serge Gnabry, actually, is kind of shut down that potential Neymar link-up that link in the chain, if you like. Yeah. And I thought they did that really well. And the few times where they didn't, you saw the, sh- well, the shout for the, for the Mbappe penalty, which I actually didn't think was a penalty. Ooh, see, I have a different... I, the one, actually, I'm a slightly more critical of Kimmich than you are. I think he has a tendency to get too close to his man when he's marking. I think that's fair. Do you know what I mean? The only reason I say that, he reminded me of the game Euro 2016 against France-Germany when he gets too close to Pogba out on the flank mm. and it's something that he does and it was I remember when I was watching um, Mbappe approach the penalty area I was like don't get too close because you know it's going to do to you you know yeah. you just know and it just happens like clockwork I know it's Mbappe so but weirdly I mean I, I loved Kimmich I think was very strong the reason I would still give the nod to I would say Thiago and Neuer over Kimmich and I thought Alaba was very strong too it's kind of a podium finish I just thought the battle was lost in midfield there's all this talk about shutting down you know, shutting down, like 
the front three, they've done nothing. And they were saying the German commentary, that that's, that's not true though. The front three haven't yeah. done nothing. They're not getting the ball because as good, it's weird, Marquinhos, Paredes and Herrera were better creatively than they were defensively. You'd expect a front, yeah. a middle, you'd expect that midfield three to be really good defensively, yeah. but actually Goretzka and Thiago, and again, lots of parallels with the 2013 final, Goretzka and Thiago just shut down Mm. in a really incredible way. And for me, the reason Thiago is extraordinary is his ability to receive possession yeah. in incredibly perilous areas. You saw it with Verratti. Verratti came on and Verratti's first touch, I know it was his first touch, was like hazard, like immediately alarm stations. Mm. Thiago receiving the ball in extremely dangerous situations. Sometimes the, only, the, the furthest player back and just handling it with such composure. Mm. And it drew them out. And so then it meant that Neymar and Mbappe, after about, after the half, to be honest, they were just feeding off scraps. Yeah, I agree. I mean, not, the thing about Thiago is not only is his short passing game and ability so good, and is very, you know, he has that element of, do you remember the, the peak Barcelona era where they would just play those completely pointless one-twos? Yes. For about yes. five minutes until yeah. someone closed them down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can do that all day. Yeah. But what is really impressive about Thiago as well is that as soon as, a team starts to close, he spots angles that can take out like three or four players in one go and immediately you've gone from quite a good solid defensive shape pressing a team in their final third maybe to running towards your own goal. Unbelievable, yeah. When you have so much of the ball, often the decision of when to go and when to make that switch in, in momentum can be the whole difference. Yes. You make it two or three passes too early. You're not set. You can't create overload in certain areas. You don't get any joy. You make them too late and you may be pressed too tightly or the opposition are in better defensive shape and you've missed the opportunity. One of his main skills is knowing the right time to kind of change gear, Yeah, Thiago. And he did that so often on Sunday. And I thought it was just responsible for, it's, it's such a massive cliche kind of doing the pulling the strings thing, but it really is kind of like that. You know, yeah. sometimes, you know, one, one part of the puppet is going really fast while the other one is going really slow and he was just in control of the whole thing. And I thought that this was, this was the main difference, I think, between Bayern and PSG is that you have in goal a keeper who hasn't been in his greatest patch of form the last few years and, and, there were serious, serious questions about whether he was the best German keeper. He's definitely, I, don't, I still don't believe he's the best keeper in the world, even though he has games where he can be or can make a case for being the best goalkeeper in the world. Yeah. But Neuer was absolutely unbelievable. He was. Sunday. Out of this world. He was out of this world. And then you have someone in midfield or a midfield pairing that complements each other so well. We've said this before, how, how that's the best balance by and pairing in midfield. And then you have Thomas Muller linking them with Robert Lewandowski, who's should have won the ballon, who should have won the Ballon d'Or this year had it gone yeah. ahead. That's the difference, I think. It's just it's just that personnel, just the quality of personnel. Yeah. There the was no dip. Yeah. The decision making was they all showed up and of course Alaba as well, who was sensational and just the 
And just on Thiago, it feels like, funnily enough, like for those who saw Thiago break through, he was a goal-scoring midfielder in an advanced position, scored a hat-trick for Spain in the under-21 Euros final and was a goal-scoring midfielder. And Pep took mm. one look at that and was like, other people can score the goals. I want to control the tempo. And this is almost like the final culmination of Thiago's appreciation, I think, because being in the Bundesliga for so many years and being unappreciated, having injury trouble, you know, he's never quite been anointed or given the the platform or the praise that his greatness deserves. And this felt like, unfortunately, this was the kind of the culmination of the Barcelona school, mm. which is the, so, this is the tragic thing about Barcelona, right? The legacy of Barcelona, letting your best people go and to have Tiago, there was something very poignant about Tiago playing like Xavi did in what I always refer to as one of the great Xavi performances, the semi-final of the um, 2014 World Cup, 2010 World Cup against Germany, where he was majestic, Xavi. Mm. And everything that Tiago did reminded me of, of Xavi that day. He was just absolutely dominant. And against the very good PSG midfield, who showed up, Paredes won the passes of the tournament. This incredible. Oh yeah. That was like a, but that was like, that was like, um, almost like James Rodriguez's assist, um, for Colombia in the 20, uh, 2018 World Cup. Yeah. So where, just quickly on Thiago, yeah. before you move on to the sure, PSG yeah. midfield, it struck me on Sunday, probably for the first time, actually, that there's a lot of Javi Alonso about him as well. Yes. He's like a, he's, he's like a hybrid between Javi and Javi Alonso, I think. Oh, this is out of the pair between is, yeah. Javi and Iniesta. Iniesta always gets credit with the dri- as the dribbler. Right. Javi could dribble. Yeah, he could. Know. He could. Thiago is no mug at dribbling, but no. I think he leans more into that Javi Alonso model of not really wanting to get into that. No, doesn't need to. And there are a lot of similarities, I think. Huge, yeah. But switching to the PSG midfield, I actually thought Andreira was super impressive. I thought so. I thought he was excellent. Yeah, he showed. The kind of, not that he, sh- well, he's always had that guile. He came mm. to United as more of, you know, it was almost, we saw the Ander Herrera of Athletic Bilbao um, in this final. I agree. The Ander Herrera of the, when they went that incredible Europa League run mm-hmm. and they looked superb and he was a link player, an attacking player. He came to United and almost was like retrofitting to some kind of Roy Keane snarling. And I was like, that's not, Herrera's game and it's bizarre that we've turned him into that yeah Mourinho kind of really got his fingers in didn't he and like moulded him into almost like his embodiment on the pitch which was bizarre because that's actually not those those weren't in my opinion his greatest strengths but I think that's a testament to how underrated maybe Ander Herrera is as a squad player in terms of what he does for the team as a whole that he is prepared to kind of like do that job yeah if it needs to be done. And he's not like a first choice starter and he's calling out his forwards for not finishing. Yeah. I loved that actually. I mean, yeah, I think that this is something where I'm on the fence a little bit because players miss chances. We've said this a million times before. So I don't think that PSG necessarily lost the final purely because of that. You know, Bayern, I think should have had a penalty with the Lewandowski one. I think that was more of a penalty than the, the Mbappe thing, which we didn't touch on actually. Mm. Because I think the Mbappe thing in real time, basically, if you go to if you go to VAR on anything, pretty much ninety nine point nine percent of anything that is that where there's contact is a penalty. Mm. But contact doesn't mean foul. It just doesn't. And I don't. And I don't think personally the Mbappe one was a penalty, but I think the Lewandowski one was. Yeah, yeah. The Mbappe chance that he hit straight at Neuer in the first half. 
I thought was really disappointing because you thought he would have, you, you were waiting for that to go top corner. Yeah. But then Di Maria also had one a bit before that as well, where he skied it. On his wrong foot. Yeah. And should you really, and this is the thing, this is why Herrera would have been angry because fundamentally, one of those chances you can understand, two of them, but three, because Neymar had a very presentable opportunity mm. as well. And now this was great goalkeeping by Neuer, but at the same time, they had about four, I would say four presentable opportunities and didn't score a single one of them. Mm. And it's the old cliche, but it's like, strikers of that quality, fours of that quality, have to produce extraordinary finishes. You know, you have to go above and beyond. Um, and the Di Marie thing, unfortunately, the miss, you know, he cleared the bar. Neuer was beaten on the angle. Mm. Like, it was the first time and the only time in the final where anyone went high against Neuer. He was always saving low down, right? And there was a bit of joy to be had up and across. It's the hardest place to beat him, which is why he angles his body that way. But if you go up and across, you can beat him. Mm-hmm. Di Maria had the chance and didn't take it. And you could see from the reaction. You could see from knew. Herrera's reaction. You could. Actually. They knew. They knew. At the time. It was a big chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was huge. It was huge. Very quick. I think we have to say in context of the game and Neymar, I've been thinking a lot about this. You know that thing in the, like, in the, in the wire, like Omar coming, right? Mm-hmm. I was thinking about 2015. Champions League, it was like Neymar is coming and he always arrived. Like he always arrived. Quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. He was always there. And it was like Neymar in this World Cup, the World Cup says the knockout felt like a World Cup. Neymar in this tournament reminded me, weird enough, of Van Persie in 2010. Do you remember how Van Persie never quite got going and you just always thought it's going to be the next round where Van Persie goes, gets going? Because it's yeah. Van Persie, he's going to find it. And he didn't find it. He never found his scoring touch. And it's not because he choked. It's not because of that. It's because sometimes you're out of sync. Mm. Sometimes you're out of sync. Like you can, you can maybe say those couple of misses that Neymar had in the previous rounds, he snatched at them, maybe. But the final was weird. I don't feel like he choked the final or he snatched at it in the final. I felt like that Neuer saved well. I felt like... Well, I mean, if Neuer's hand doesn't somehow make its way behind him, right in line with where there's a gap in his legs. Yes. We're not talking about this today. Exactly. And that is not, that's nothing to do with the mentality or choking. That's something completely outside of your control. Right. If that goes in and PSG win the game 1-0, literally everything else could be the same apart from the Kingsley Coman goal. Yes. And today it would be Neymar, what a hero. He's won that PSG Champions League that they needed. But it's, that is an unbelievable save from Manuel Neuer. It's, I think it's super lucky as yes. well. Extremely lucky. But he gets that touch off, his, off the inside of his leg, right? I think. Yeah. And his hand is in exactly the right position. Now that's, you know, like when players lie down behind the wall. Yeah. I don't know whether that's a security thing that he does or whether it was just literally his hand was there. It wouldn't but, surprise me because there's no wasted movement with Neuer. If you look at all the saves he makes, the technique of them, yeah. if you freeze frame the moment he makes the save and look at his body, all contingencies are planned for. Yeah. The left hand is high, the right hand is at the waist, the left foot is extended forward and the right leg is extended as far as it can so it catches any trailing strikes. Mm. And that's what Casillas did to Robin in the mm. 2010 World Cup final. And yeah. everyone criticised him. Oh, Robin missed the sitter. And you look at it again, you're like, it's an astonishing save because the very last minute, Casillas thrashes out his leg. Not in desperation, but because it's like every part of my body must fill the frame. 
Yeah. I don't really understand yeah. the almost like the willingness or the urge to just question people's mentality. It's like, this is a Champions League final. You know, you've got Kylian Mbappe there who's 21 years old in his first Champions League final. Neymar has obviously been there and done it and he's 28 now. You know, mm. he's not a prospect. Neymar is a very experienced player in the peak years of his career. I think he could have played better all round. But also, I think it's worth noting that he kind of got the shit kicked out of him a little bit at points. Yeah, he did. It was semi-Colombia, wasn't it? It was kind of like... It wasn't it was quite Colombia. It, wasn't, it, was, it was Colombia, like, there was no Zuniga, but it was... It didn't really kind of start until the second half, really, didn't it? And then Gnabry got booked and he had that kickoff with Perides. Kimmich got involved a couple of times. Goretzka just wanted to come in and defend his boys. Now he's all, like, jacked. He's just yeah, like the true. bouncer. He's like someone's, he's like basically buying security. Him and he Zula. Is. He is. Him and Zula work in the door, man. No, they, 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 they do, you know, they do. They do festival security for VIP. Yeah. The only reason I think they do question the name of mentality as well is Qatar paid 400 million for effectively three knockout stages. This is it. They paid 222 million euros for that Champions League final. That's what they paid for. They paid for that game in particular for things to happen. And that's what weighs on you. And I don't know, look, Neymar has, he's basically like led his team in a home World Cup. So pressure is a thing that he knows. He's acquainted yeah. with it. I think the pressure here was a different form. It wasn't so much the national pride holding you aloft. This was a corporate pressure. Mm-hmm. And the corporate pressure is basically like, I mean, think about it. There's, it's, it's unprecedented actually in sports that you've basically been, it's like Lewis Hamilton it's like, you know, it's like, it's like Lewis Hamilton going to Mercedes and his job is to win the Monaco Grand Prix and nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. You have to win the Monaco Grand Prix. It doesn't matter how you win, you have to win it. That puts a very singular type of pressure on an individual, I think. And I'm not saying that Neymar is a choke. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the pressure he was under to deliver in these stages was possibly unprecedented in major sport, just because we just, we have never actually seen the amount of investment on one individual one outcome. It doesn't include Mbappe because Mbappe is still the golden child of Paris, right? Yeah. Neymar was the centerpiece of this project. Yeah, there's a really great piece that I'd encourage people to read by Simon Cooper on the Financial Times about PSG. Oh, great. Well, yeah. And it's a really interesting read about the context of what PSG means to Parisians as well. And the, it touches on the Mbappe thing in there, you know, um, because a common thing about PSG is, you know, the, the stars arrived and they didn't learn French and it was all a bit alienating for people who had been PSG fans. He says the thing about Mbappe from a neighborhood in Paris, speaks perfect French. Like you say, he is the poster boy for this kind of new PSG that actually is almost becoming more Parisian. Right. It's kind of ironic that one of their old boys scored the winner against them in Kingsley Coman. Yeah, that is what... That is wild. That is wild. And he's had a strange career as well, I see. Like, really strange. Remember when he burst onto the scene at Juve and then all of a sudden was on loan at Bayern? <laughs> yeah, it's not the first, it won't be the first time a winger lost their way at Juve. Um, a French winger lost their way. It wouldn't be the first time <laughs> if, we're, if we're going there. <laughs> Musa firing cheap shots at an old lady. But he had a weird, <laughs> why not? Why not? I'm an old man. Um, but also, <laughs> the other thing I'll say about Coman, he was almost like a Daniel Sturridge type situation where he had to, at some point, like you, you run out of big clubs after a certain point. Mm. You know how Sturridge, I think Sturridge said that Liverpool saved me. And I wonder if Bayern saved Coman because he was bouncing around a bit. And there's that danger. If, you do, if it doesn't go right for you at Bayern, I mean, look, we see what happens. Renato Sanchez is playing for Lille now. Mm. You know, if it doesn't work out for you after a couple of big clubs, the drop can be sharp. Yeah, big time. So, so he, he needed a moment and he got his moment. But shouts to Kimmich as well. Superb assist to that goal. And, when he hung that in the air, 
you knew it was in. I'm like, someone's going to mm. score that. That, that yeah. was so delicious. It was like an alley. And they nearly scored the same one two minutes later, but with a volley. Actually, we didn't talk about this. I mean, we are still in the same game, I know. But I think that Kera was noticed early and they saw that, yeah. you know, there, there are certain players, you know how it felt? Watching Kera in this final felt like watching Brandon Williams for Manchester United in the um, Europa League against Sevilla. Yeah, a little bit. And also a lot of that Bayern squad have played with him for a while for Germany. So I noticed that, yeah, I saw that and I thought, ah, someone's being targeted. The way that Sevilla targeted Williams, the way that they targeted Kerry, it was like a strategic thing. Yeah. Get it, switch it, cross it. Yeah. Yeah. So Bayern complete the treble, their first, well, their second ever treble. Uh, they did it last in 2013 under Jupp Heynckes. I want to demonstrate just how much of a turnaround this season has been by firing some shots at ourselves. Yep, yep. In November, we did a podcast and Bayern had just been hammered by Eintracht. Flick had just taken charge. Kovac had just gone. Yeah. And there was a question on the podcast about, so basically if you could take one club from one league and put them in another league, where would they finish? And we, we, we said at the time, I think I said it actually, it might have even been me, that Bayern would probably finish fifth I think it was fifth or maybe fourth fourth or fifth in the Premier League mm. and at the time that actually wasn't a wild shout that Bayern would finish fourth yeah a Bayern coach by Nico Kovac doesn't win the Premier exactly. League no hell this is the, yeah. the, the reason that I'm saying this is because yeah. well either highlights one of two things so listeners you can decide whether we know absolutely jack shit and we just come out with scorching nuclear takes for the hashtag engagement yeah hopefully you know that's not really our bag Unless it's about mustaches and then, yeah, sign That's me up for the engagement. Yes. And then, <laughs> or, I'm going to sound extremely English here, that's how much of a pickle Bayern were in. They were in an absolute pickle. And Flip has been extraordinary. <laughs> it's the poshest criticism of a football team of all time. They were in an absolute pickle in November, Musa. But that's just, I mean, Be I, right back, I'm just going to get some pims. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's... That was, uh, yeah, that's as posh as it gets. Um, and I've but seen they posh. really were, right? And, the, and, the, yeah. and this, I think, is to highlight how good a job Hansi Flick has done. It's unbelievable what he's done. He turned them by February into the best team in Europe and visibly so. Like people were making noises about Bayern look almost inevitable. Bayern were fourth. Yeah, do you know what's funny? When they looked, the first team that got it, they got a taste of it. When I, the first time I looked at Bayern and thought, actually they're not just the best team in Germany, but in Europe was the Chelsea game. Mm. When everyone else was like having those first legs and they were quite difficult and they absolutely battered them. Mm-hmm. And I think, to be honest, this is the thing, the Atalanta thing was glorious, but I think Atalanta would have been taken apart defensively by this Bayern team. Oh, yeah. By this Bayern team, they would have been outmatched. Like they, every, and I'm drawing parallels of the 2014 World Cup a bit here, but this Bayern team found a solution for every problem that was thrown at them. They had the Algeria type problem of the um, 2014 World Cup. The quick counters, Neuer stepped up of his line. They had the Boateng problem. They had the Kramer problem and Kadira problem when Kadira gets injured before the World Cup final even starts. I think and then Kramer gets, Kramer gets absolutely smashed. Yep. And then Boateng goes off with a hamstring after about 20. Yep. No problem. Sula comes in. What does Alaba do? Steps up and becomes like a sweeper in front of the defence, like steps up really early and intercepts everything before he even gets a chance of causing trouble. Shout, out to, David, shout out to David Alaba for the Black Lives Still Matter on the back of his shirt as well after the game. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I agree, man. I think this was just, it was a really good final. If we're going to be asked that question again now about where Bayern would finish in the Premier League, I mean, first or second. Yeah, first or second. Like that that and, is the improvement yeah. that Flick has, has achieved 
Flick deserves a huge amount of credit because initially I remember saying on the podcast that what it looked like he did, and I do still, I'll stand by this. I think that what he did initially was put the square pegs back in the square holes, simplified Bayern again, yeah. basically. Very much like Zidane did when Zidane came back to, to Real. Yeah. Just, right guys, what are you all good at? Here's what we're going to do. Yeah. And then from then on, he, he then grew out his role, I think. He's someone who gets Bayern. He played for Bayern. He understands, I mean, but so did Kovac, you know, but I think Kovac was almost at that point in his career where he wanted to prove himself as a coach. If that makes sense, you know, Flick he won a World like, Cup as well with Love. Yeah, exactly. So he knew, Flick, he knew Flick's them. Been there as he a number two, them. and yeah, with Kovac, it was very much like wanting to put too much of him on the side as opposed to letting the side be themselves. Yeah, and I think Flick did that. So yeah, I mean, I thought this was a really great final. I thought I, I liked how two, the two halves were very different, but both both entertaining in their different ways and. Bit of a shame for both sides was that they managed to get upstaged about an hour later by Luka Doncic, but you know. That, okay, for, for I, the NBA fans. I think, I, I think that was the first playoff Mike Breen double bang call. It's a second. Oh, playoff. No, playoff. Playoff. Yeah, playoff, that's right, playoff. Halo Shaughnessy from The Ringer said on Twitter, this series feels like the making of a legend, except Luka is already fully made. And I thought that absolutely nailed it. She did an amazing piece on LeBron's free throws as well, which um, she posted. Yeah a couple of days ago. So shout out to, to Hayley for that. That's amazing. Shout out to all the Ringer NBA crew. Yeah. Uh, we need to take a break because we've gone long. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we're back from the break. Women's Champions League returned on Friday and the quarterfinals were extremely tasty. My goodness, that's the word, isn't it? Atleti lost 1-0 to Barcelona. Atleti deserve a huge amount of credit here because they took an extremely small squad to the Basque country. Um, they had a number of positive COVID tests. I think their squad was limited to 16 or 17 due to positive tests and suspensions. And they really made a game of it. They limited Barcelona yep. really well. Felt a little bit sorry for Tony Duggan. I could see... She, I went to the final last year, the Champions League final, when she was playing for Barcelona against Lyon. And it really reminded me of that performance, actually, where she knew she wasn't getting to get much. And looked more and more frustrated with every kind of passing minute because she really was, I wouldn't say feeding off scraps, but I think she kind of knew before the game, the same way that Barcelona kind of did against Lyon last season in the final, that she wasn't going to get a lot of, of joy. And playing in a position which I don't think is her best role, she was playing as pretty much the out-and-out out nine. Can I be honest which, with you though? Whenever forwards sign for Atleti, I'm always confused. Not, not in a harsh way because I think it's really, I think forwards that sign for Atleti really back themselves. Mm. Because the style, I mean, like they go with that small squad, and which is incredible they did that because a small squad playing football of that intensity is, that's no, it's not normal intensity you play there. Mm. And not blaming Duggan for this at all. It's, it's hard. It's a tough job playing that at the best of times. So yeah, obviously like incredibly sympathetic because she ran her guts out. You know, Barcelona didn't score until the 81st minute. Yeah. Uh, Kira Hamraoui scored the goal. It was a nice finish actually. Yeah. She had a great game actually, generally. 
She did, yeah. She's also quite funny because I was watching her and she, sat, she was sitting like 30 yards deeper than the plate most of the time, kind of controlling it. And then part of me just thought, you're just going to do this yourself. Like, it was almost like, right, I'll do, because they'd had, Barca had good opportunities. Mm. Uh, and the longer the game went on, I mean, Sosa looked really good for Atleti and I thought she'd make the breakthrough at some point. Um, but that was a deserved victory and a fine game. And shout out to UEFA TV for making that available because it really, you can see so many people were into that. Um, mm. There were a load of people, a load more people watching on the, the UEFA stream than I've seen watch games before. That was really encouraging to see. In the other quarterfinal on Friday, Wolfsburg did what Wolfsburg were expected to do. That's the scoreline I would have predicted, actually. I, I thought it would be 8-0, actually. Yeah. In my head, I was at 8-0. So it wasn't the scoreline that you predicted? Well, but the eight-goal margin was 9-1. Oh, wow, we're doing that. Okay, go on, go on then. That's, that's, that's the Tash energy. Hey, I thought be a, if it's good enough to win a Champions League, it's good enough to throw some shade at you. That's true, actually, fair enough. When does that change anything? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, yeah, Did so you see the, the tweet that we got, actually, from someone saying, Stadio is, Stadio is always great, but it takes on another level when Ryan and Musa start going below the belt on each other sending, like only sending, good friends could do. Sending shots each other. <laughs> sending shots. Huh? It's all love. Sending shots. No, you're right. It was, it was 9-1. Um, I felt it would be about that. I, I thought it would be an 8-goal margin. I thought yeah. it would be 8-0. I mean, Glasgow City should not be here. That and they, started, are... they started really, really well, Glasgow City. Yeah, and like they're, they're the only non-full-time club at this stage of the competition. And the whole energy coming out of the squad before the game was very, it was so positive. It was like, look at who we're playing. Look at what we're doing here kind of thing. Let's enjoy it. And I'm really glad they got a goal. You know, I'm really glad for Lauren Wade who scored. The goal of the game. Yeah, it was a good goal. It was there. a beauty. Can, can I say this as well? Because I was, had, I was, I was um, uh, more people watching the Barca at Letty, but forced by, I wanted to see what they would do because my concern with them is, I've said this before, the over defendants on Penel Harder. And until she scored, Glasgow looked really dangerous. This is the thing. Until, in terms of the balance of the game, the rhythm of the game, like Wolfsburg had pop playing defence midfield, like a defensive two anchor. And they basically had their like sort of front four, Payor floating in front of Harder, who's looked good as well. But until they got that goal, they didn't have that many ideas. And they got a set, I mean, Wolfsburg then got a set piece goal quickly after. But Glasgow did a really good job and Harder really showed her role. Like if Harder hadn't played. Yeah, this is one of the best players in the world, Penilla Harder. So and this is the thing. Though, who, this is the thing. In, in a squad which is so loaded with talent. I mean, if you think Eva Payor came off and was replaced by Paulina Bremer. Right. Lena Oberdorf came off the bench and replaced Pop. Wild. A chorus line. Yeah. This is a completely other level. And um, Glasgow, they can go out with their heads held high. I think it's been an incredible achievement to get to this stage of the competition for them. And yeah, Wolfsburg, one of the favourites for the competition. Yeah. Through to the semi-final. Yeah. Where they will play Barcelona. The semi-finals of this competition, man, are unbelievable. In the other semi-final, it's an all-French semi-final between PSG and Lyon. PSG knocked out Arsenal 2-1, who looked... They looked like they hadn't played a competitive fixture for a while. Yeah, yeah, you can see that. Didn't they? Yeah, they did. What did you think of this? Because before the game, I thought Arsenal would have had enough to see through. But obviously, in the context, that was probably a little bit naive of me because they haven't played any competitive football for so long. I was surprised by how many ideas, how many really good ideas PSG had. Like, really mm. good. Like they. Look, we know they are an elite. They're an elite team, but they difficult to say this because you know Arsenal. I think there was a lack of sharpness there, 
but they also outthought Arsenal. I thought a couple of occasions. Yeah. But this, this then again, this happened to this happened to Arsenal against Chelsea. Like, I feel like there is, and I don't know what the question mark is. You could argue some of the changes for Arsenal didn't come at the right times, but there was a sense watching Chelsea against Arsenal Women's Super League. There just seemed a little bit of an element of in these really really tight games, and please halt before I utter this heresy. They had been outthought. And this wasn't the first time I'd watched Arsenal in a really, really tight encounter where the other team had the small margins on them. Mm. And I don't want to sound harsh there because they've been up against some great midfields, but it felt like they lost it in that midfield. Well, yeah, I mean, I tweeted after the game that I think apart from Noel Moritz, new signing from Wolfsburg, who looked like she'd had repetitive experience in this competition, Mm. she fitted straight in at right back. Thought she was brilliant. Apart from Maritz and Kim Little, who I thought was Arsenal's best player. Well, maybe it's it's between her and Maritz, but I thought Kim Little and Maritz were the only two players on the pitch where Arsenal kind of won the one-on-one matchup against people, against the the duels, basically. Perfectly perfect. So if you're kind of going to go down 2-9 in terms of one-on-one matchups, you can't expect really to win the game. And I thought Arsenal overall were... They looked tired after a certain point. I think Joe Montemora could have made subs earlier yeah. than he did. Yeah, Viv Miedemar was quiet and I saw a heat map after the game where she was picking up the ball really deep. Yes, I noticed that. Which showed actually how much trouble Arsenal were having progressing the ball upfield. And there was a number of times when Kim Little broke forward with just no one around her and she would have to stop, turn around, come back. And I think PSG just looked fresher. They were physically way more dominant. They moved the ball a little bit brighter, I think, than Arsenal did consistently throughout the game. And actually, there were points where they could have scored again yeah. before Arsenal got back into the game. I thought Zara Dabritz was really good. Nadia Nadine was brilliant for PSG as well. Obviously, Marie Antoinette Katoto, she scored the goal. A lovely goal as well. Another quick shout out to Signe Brun, who came on 74th minute, scored three minutes later, ended up being the winner. I think this is the thing about this tournament. I think it's with the straight knockout. It was more finely balanced, I think, than maybe even the men's Champions League last eight. I think, yeah, maybe yeah, bar, maybe bar Glasgow, like we said. Yeah, yeah. If Bayern had pulled off a result against Leon, I think you would have been very surprised. Yeah. Any other results, I don't think you would have been, apart from yeah, obviously taking the Glasgow Wolfsburg game out. But yeah, let's move on to that one. So Leon went through. They're going for five straight. Yeah, five straight. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. They beat Bayern two one. Who I thought actually Bayern deserve a lot of credit. They've made some real progress this year, and this is a very good Leon team with new additions like Gunnar Stortia yes played and they were really really impressive I thought they held their own for a long time I was actually talking to Jasmina Schreimler about this and shouts to Jazz ja- at Jazz Schreimler on Twitter absolute must follow for women's football especially Frau and Bundesliga stuff she's great on Wolfsburg um, and she was saying yeah, Bayern are really really Bayern are looking good you know they've made a lot of changes they look really efficient and they were really good. Leia Schuler, the new signing from Essen up front, yeah. playing her first Champions League game, didn't look phased. There was one chance that came across, actually. I think it might have even been at nil-nil. She was a fraction away from. And it would have been so interesting if Bayern had gone ahead. The way they performed was similar to the way they played against Wolfsburg in mm. the, the home game and they drew one all. Mm. And in that game, they managed to nullify Penel Harder. So they're, they are a team who can shut down your best player. And Leon showed just how dangerous they still are. Like, I still think, I look at this tournament and it is Wolfsburg and Leon, the two best teams that I've seen so far. Mm. They are the best, only because 
the solutions they've so far found, the style they've played in, the X they have in the tank. I, I, I don't know that many other teams in this tournament would have broken down Bayern like this. And let's hit the two goals. We have a breakaway. Paris gets the opener. Beautiful free kick. Um, she got absolutely cleaned out as well. By Benkarth, yeah, who came off a line. Yeah, that was... Um, I really didn't like Paris staying on, considering it was so close to half time. Mm, yeah. Because yeah. she got absolutely smacked and she was down for a while. Yeah, that was a horrible contact. That was a horrible I mean, Benkarth contact. got booked for it. Lucky not to go for it, actually. Like, it would have seemed... It would have seemed brutal and dramatic because it's a big game, but it would have been completely logical to have removed a player for that, for dangerous play. And I, mean, I suppose, it was dangerous, yeah. Yeah, it was very dangerous. I think the, the reason, maybe, well, who knows why not, but a red card for a keeper is always a big shout. So hard to call that. Yeah. Uh, even though it looks, it's obviously, it looks really, really bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, then uh, Amal Madri scored the second about the hour mark and then Caroline Simon got one back about five minutes later and Bayern looked like they, I mean, Leon weren't exactly hanging on, but they looked relieved when the final whistle came. It was just, yeah, I yeah. think that, I don't think they expected Bayern to give them as much of a game as they did, actually. So Leon go through to the semi final against PSG, and these take place on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, they're both at 8 p.m. our time, 7 p.m. UK time, which is 2 p.m. Eastern time and 11 a.m. Pacific time, I think. So if you can find a place to watch them, watch them. They should be online streamed those two semi-finals are going to be extremely, extremely tasty. And then it'll be the final next Sunday. And we can talk yep. about it on next week's show. Uh, take a quick break. Yep, let's do it. All right, back from the break again. Europa League final. Feels like it was oh ages goodness. ago. It does. It's weird. Like I really enjoyed this game. I'm like, who didn't? Although I have to admit, I missed the first two goals because of a family Zoom call. My dad had a mare. Oh dear. Technical issues. Couldn't hear him for ages. And then all of a sudden there was two of him <laughs> on different devices. Couldn't hear either of them. Really, really confusing. So I ended up missing the first two goals, but... Um, you didn't miss much, no. <laughs> well, no I, I ended up watching the, the whole of the first half again. What a game. What a game. What a cup final. Diego Carlos was like, really? Another penalty? Another one? In the final now? It's like he's got the, the trilogy. Yeah, but if you said to Diego Carlos, oh, this is going to happen but guess how this is going to end up? He would have taken it. Just wait till you see the final act. The fact that he managed to get through the rest of the game on a yellow card until being subbed off with, what, five minutes to go? Yeah, it's pretty wild. Although, although he should have gone. Like He should have gone. That's what awful, I mean. Like, this is the awful that- thing. This is the awful thing. This game is so... I've actually tried to avoid re-watching this or, you know, I watched the entire game and look, I have a soft spot for Lukaku because all the things he's been through with racism and Italian football and you know he didn't have the best exit at Manchester United and he's not entirely blameless for that um, because he fell out you know but he didn't you could argue the departure wasn't ideal mm. but you could also argue that he was sold a project that was not what he envisaged Yeah, um, and that I think is fair and Lukaku really stood tall at United he did you know he, he, he led the line well I think on mm. the whole for us and he was forced into you know, he, he was a creator. He ended up being United's, at one point, United's best winger. He, he, he ended up like providing the best, he was the best cross at United because the wingers weren't doing their job. So Lukaku went through it at United and went to Inter, has had an extraordinary debut season, 34 goals he's ended up with, but scores an own goal to decide this game 
There's there's everyone's and, narrative. And I, I've been trying I've been trying to avoid this because, you know, he the opener, Lukaku did what he has been criticized for not doing. First of all, gets a beautiful ball in, takes a, a great first touch, cuts across his man, uses his body, which Lukaku, given his size, doesn't always do. This is the thing, it's it's deceptive. Lukaku and Pogba are funny because they're they're tall black footballers with build. Lukaku actually is funny. When he first came to United, it's like He's just a really tall, muscular poacher who doesn't use his body. It's really weird. But Lukaku, actually, it's been difficult to encourage him sometimes to use his physicality, right? And he really used it in this game, in this, um, to win this penalty, cuts across, great touch, goes across um, um, Diego Carlos. Carlos. Yeah, Carlos tried to bring him down. Climbed, he was trying so hard to tried, bring him down. It was like watching, he, he climbed him at one point. And then he ended up hurting himself in the process. I was just yeah. like, my and God. Then, and then Lukaku, criticised so often for not scoring in huge games, scores a beautiful penalty to open it in the, arguably the biggest game of his career. Well, well, with the exception of the World Cup semi-final against France. And it was funny because I then tweeted, wait a minute, is this the biggest game Lukaku's ever scored in? It's arguably it is. Someone said World Cup, second round, I said, no, this is bigger. And mm. someone then, when Lukaku scored his own goal, someone replies to me, goes, oh, biggest game. I was like, stop that. I said, no, I said, no. Let's people not are just fund- I think people are just fundamentally quite mean. Well, like why everyone just looks for the negatives in football, man. Like instead of looking for the joy and it's just like, Phil, you know, empathy isn't such a nasty uh, emotion to feel with footballers. Yeah, obviously there's banter and there's tribalism and I get that if you're like, yeah. you know, but this is like, as a neutral, you can simultaneously feel happy for Sevilla and Lopetegui and feel sadness for Inter and Lukaku it's not a, like a kind of like uh, who's you know where's your you know, hero reason, now kind of thing where's your boy now yeah. the reason I feel sad for Lukaku as well is because it was such a tragedy because Carlos should have gone off for that right mm. and then there was a moment where and the worst thing was Lukaku basically led the line virtually by himself he was without Sensia midfield he's been out for a while um, Latara Martinez was poor and it's strange yeah, I didn't think I, it was I, his best game at all but, yeah but I, I see Barcelona like clamouring for signature but frankly I've watched him a bit this season I don't see that he gives you that dramatic upgrade. I hope I'm wrong. Someone who should just stay put for a bit. I'm not that blown away by it. I mean, he's a very good player, but I don't see that. So there was a frustrating moment in the first half where Lukaku pulls out wide to provide a cross and a few moments, you know, to, to provide a link up for a cross. And a few moments later, the ball gets crossed in for a header. And that's where Lukaku should be if his other players are doing his job for a clear header. And he's not there for it because he's doing work out wide. And this was a kind of pattern of Inter's play the entire game. As Sevilla asserted control, very similar to the pattern in the semi against United, where Sevilla basically are like, okay, this is a high tempo. We'll adjust to it. It's not, it's not what we necessarily like, but we'll do it. And they then worked their way into it. Their, their goal was beautifully worked. Luke de Jong again stepped up. Great for him. He's got a great redemption story there. He scored in the semi-final and then two in the final. Two headers. I don't think Inter score uh, conceded. I think someone said they conceded one header this season. Wow. One headed goal. Well, Sevilla obviously were onto something because they were launching it into the box continually after those two I headers. I mean, his. Yeah. I mean, his first header was brilliant, but the second. Wow. Was unbelievable, and it's taken him a while at Sevilla. And like I say, he's been you know he's been a bit of a role player and come in and out, but scored two of the three goals in a final against. Inter in the Europa League you can't half step and do that and I think it's 
they were both unbelievable headers as well. Great assists as well. The first one from Jesus Navas and the second from Avon Benega, who then went on to throw some unbelievable shots at Conte. Good Lord. I can't even repeat it. I can't repeat it. It's shocking. We can't say it on this podcast. This is a family podcast. It's hair related. It's a sensitive issue. Hair related. He sent big, big shots at Conte. And the thing about the the shots he sent were, they were creative shots. Yeah, now he's off to Saudi. He's now going to Al-Shabaab. So that's interesting. So again, I feel this is one of those games that you could have had any result, really. I think if if Carlos gets sent off, it could be a completely different game. I mean, I'm still not entirely convinced... You know, even with 10 men, Inter didn't show me enough in attack, weirdly enough. They didn't. I think it would have still been a close encounter, but it wouldn't have been the outcome. It wouldn't have been the cruel outcome that we saw mm. for Lukaku in particular. I think Sevilla might still have pulled through. You know, you never know with the 10 men. But if anyone can manage a game that's not the tempo they want mm. from midfield, it is, it is Sevilla. Mm. I mean, I find it interesting that, you know, if you look at the subs that Inter made, Christian Eriksen, Alexis Sanchez and Victor Moses all come on with 12 minutes to go. Maybe there's a selection issue there. It's not good for Eriksen, is it? Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean... Conte's a magician at doing the best he can with pieces available, mm. but I think he wants better pieces available, I think. Mm. Which you would, you would. Though, I mean, he made some noises after the game that he might not be there next season, which I find wild. Conte does as Conte does. That's so Conte. Yeah. I saw the typical, lots of praise for Lopetegui, a lot of people saying it was revisionist. He's done really, really well at Sevilla. Really well. With a big turnover, there's been a huge turnover of players, you know, and to, like we said before, third best defence in La Liga, finished top four anyway, so they didn't even need this to to qualify for the Champions League. And he's brought them their sixth Europa League, when he deserves a hell of a lot of credit. And he comes across like a really good guy, Lopetegui. I don't know, I just felt really happy for the guy. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was great. It was so emotional. You saw how much it meant to him at the yeah. end. Oh, talking of coaches celebrating the end, this is one thing that I noticed very quickly. Go on. Which was quite poignant. When Hansi Flick celebrated, mm. and it was just him and the coaches. Yeah. And the players had already run off to like, and it was the first time he got his hands on the European, on the Champions League, was like five, 10 minutes after they'd raised it for the first time. And he was just there with his mates and the coaching staff raising the trophy. And you thought, Wow, I love how he takes the back seat. Dude had jokes after the game as well in the press conference. I didn't see those, I didn't see it. So uh, basically it was in German, the question was asked to him in German about, um, Thiago was great, you know, is that his last game for Bayern? And Flick just goes, spoke to him after the game, he's going to stay. <laughs> and then it's just this massive silence. And then he's basically just like, you know, oh, you should have seen the look on your face. No, no, but no, you know, we've not spoke about it yet. We'll speak about it soon. That's amazing. He, he, he dropped the joke in. Yeah. That's amazing. Troll level 1000. Yeah. Um, so technically the 2019-2020 men's European domestic season has now officially finished whilst also beginning. League 1 started, Scotland are back. Is the area divisi back or have I missed that? Uh, MLS is literally back after being back. Too much football, but we love it. Should we get out of here? Let's do it. Uh, we hope everyone's doing all right. Obviously, there is still a pandemic going on. There's some more shit going down in the States. So we hope everyone's keeping mentally well and physically well. Don't forget, you can check us on Twitter at Stadio. You can check us on Instagram, Stadio Football. Our website is stadio.football. Make sure you check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. I think Moose is up this week, are you? Yeah, yeah, I'll be putting something up, I'm sure. Nice. Anything you want to add, Musa, before I, before we play out? Just to stay hydrated, really. 
I mean, obviously. I think that's the key. We're playing out on You've Got the Love by Richanel, another music from memory thing. And we will be back on Thursday looking at the Women's Champions League. And should we do a mailbag? Yeah, why not? Let's do, do it. Do a mailbag. Take care, everyone. We'll see you on Thursday. Take care.